Hear now the word of the Lord. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring... Pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Father, we need your help as we come to these strong words and images, uh, overwhelming in many ways. Uh, We need your help to have the humility to receive what you say, uh, to have the humility to have our sins exposed, And to have the humility to receive your grace. Help us to do that this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The ninth commandment assumes the power of words. Do you notice how the commandment does not say, you shall tell the truth. Nor does it say, you shall not lie. Now, You should tell the truth. You you shouldn't lie. But that's not what God says in the ninth commandment. He very specifically says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Why? 
Well, think about it. Before CSI and DNA evidence and surveillance video, the possibility of justice rested on words. On two or three people seeing what happened, able to truthfully speak about their neighbors. So, the Ninth Commandment attempts to create order amidst the potential chaos of what people say about each other. And that potential chaos is vividly described in James chapter 3. Where James takes our words outside of the courtroom into all of life and shows us that potential chaos. As he addresses what can happen from what we say. Just a spark. One comment. And a forest fire of harm. We've all experienced that. We have all experienced that. The damage done by what someone says about us. The damage that we ourselves have done by what we say about others. This reality is inescapable for all of us. So, this morning, I want us to go to this assumption of the Ninth Commandment. I want us to consider the power of words. And I want to ask two questions. First of all, why are words so destructive? And secondly, how can they be different? So first of all, why? Why are words so destructive? And to understand the full potential of speech, we have to go back to the beginning. Back to creation. It's where James takes us in verse 9. Do you remember from Genesis 1 how God makes the world? He speaks, right? He says, let there be, let there be, let there be, and there is life of all sorts. And then he speaks again and he says, it's all good. And then as God comes to the end of this creative process, he makes humanity. And once again... He speaks, and He blesses them. He blesses those made in His image, made in His likeness, and He says, be fruitful and fill the earth. When God blesses, He uses words to empower those made in His image for life, for the fullness of the life that He intends for them, that He intends for us. And when we use words for any other purpose, we are anti-creation, anti-God, anti-life. That's why our words have such a destructive impact. Because we speak, when we speak, 
Apart from blessing, apart from what God intends for our words, we attack His goodness. We attack the beauty that He intends for us. We attack the goodness that He intends for those made in His likeness. Now why would we do that? Realize that when we gossip when we demean, when we speak in ways that harm, whether it's what we say or how or when we say it, we participate in a cosmic chaos that opposes God's beautiful order. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Verses 14 to 16. Destructive words emerge from hearts that are full of selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. Now remember, we are made in the image of God. We're made in His likeness. And that is not only an individual identity, it's also a communal one. God makes us for relationship. He says it's not good for man to be alone, and so he makes Eve out of the rib of Adam. And that is the imagery of partnership. And that imagery is not only for marriage, it is for all human community. But here's what sin does. Sin takes partnership and turns it into competition. So that when we reject God and His ways, we begin to live life with a list. And we look around and we say, how can I be better than selfish ambition? Or at the very least, how can I make them worse than bitter jealousy? How can I move up the list and how can I make other people move down the list? And we use words to get what we want. To promote ourselves and to demote other people. And when we do that, we attack the core beauty that God intends for people made in His likeness. College football is coming. Oh, happy day, right? <laughs> what, is the, what is one of the perennial problems of American college football? Rankings. Right? This consistent, how are we going to figure out whether it's the old bowl system or the BCS or now the college playoff system, how are we going to figure out how to rank teams so that, the, that at the end of the season we have a true deserving national champion? You know what is a much greater problem? It is that we tend to live life that way. Where do I rank? Where do I rank? That person is more attractive, but I think I'm more intelligent. They're more popular, but at least I have moral standards. They are more successful, but I'm a nicer person. They have more money, but I'm more spiritual. Their kids know the capital of Myanmar. <laughs> well, but at least mine are more well-adjusted. 
their church has more people and a nicer building. But we're truly faithful. We're a true community. And out of that friction, out of that competitiveness, come sparks. Subtle comments. Cutting words. Rumors. Suggestive hints. And we set the world on fire. We set the world of our friendships, of our families, of our churches, of other communities on fire. We take what God intended to promote life, words, and we use them to oppose life. So much damage. And please understand that I offer that warning not as an observer, but as a participant. I was recently at an event at St. Peter's Anglican Church on the north side of town. And as I sat in that gorgeous, massive building, boy, was I on the hunt for something negative to say. (laughs) Why? I want to secure my ranking. I want to secure my standing as better Where do your words come from? Do they come from the heat of competition? Do they come from the list? Do they come from bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? Where do your words come from? Now, what's the alternative? So far, so depressing. I mean, what's our response here? Is it that we should all just take a vow of silence? What do we do with our words? Well, let's ask another question. Let's ask a second question. Acknowledging the potential destructive nature of our speech, let's ask, how can our words be different? How can they be different? And I need to say here at the beginning of this point, they can be different. Change is possible. There is an alternative. As dark as the picture is here in James chapter 3, there is still light. And it comes there right at the end of the chapter with verses 17 to 18. Where James says, your words not only had the potential for chaos, they also had the potential for peace. They can not only be destructive, they can also be creative. Instead of a fire, how you talk can produce fruit. Now think about that imagery with this connection to creation in this chapter. When God made His images and blessed them, where did He put them to live a life of blessing? In a fruitful garden. James is suggesting that your words can cultivate the beginnings of a new Eden. It can produce a flourishing garden in the lives of the people around you.
How does that happen? How do we change from fire to fruit? Well, to change the impact of our words, we must change their source. The source of what we say must not be the the selfish ambition and jealousy that comes from within. It has to be the wisdom that comes from above. Wisdom is the ability to live within creation, aligned with the Creator. So in this instance, in the instance of our words, it means to drop the competition and to embrace God's vision for partnership. (laughs) Wisdom is our voice joining God's benedicting voice as He blesses those who are made in His likeness. heard an interview with the founder of the Larsh community, which is a network of houses that provide a place to live uh, for people with severe mental disabilities, often when they have no other place to go. And this man was talking about how he deals with agitated situations, which, as you can imagine, happen a lot. And residents get upset, and he was talking about how important it is to speak with a calm and gentle voice. And the word he used was tenderness. And he said something profound. He said, tenderness is not only comforting, it is also revealing. Tenderness reveals that this other person, no matter how they are acting, is precious. Tenderness reveals that a person is precious. There is a goal for your words. When our words flow from God's wisdom, they reveal the preciousness of people made in God's image. Now, where do we get that wisdom from? Where do we get this new source for what we say? Well, James chapter 1 says, ask for it. Ask for it. God generously desires to pour out on you the wealth of His wisdom, so ask for it. The book of Colossians adds that this source comes to us through Jesus, in whom are hidden all the riches of wisdom. And knowledge. We only have to believe. You see, Jesus entered the chaos of sinful human speech. Think about it. As the Gospels tell the story of Jesus going to the cross, they tell us about his trial. And a central feature of that trial was the breaking of the ninth commandment. False witnesses lied about him, 
refused to acknowledge the truth of his identity as the Son of God and the Messiah. And so all of the destructiveness of human speech came against Jesus and drove him to his death. And he suffered the curse of sin. Why? So that God could anew speak blessing over us. So that God could anew speak life, the fullness of life over us through His Son. And what this means for our words is that as we repent, and I love that James says we all stumble in many ways. As we repent and turn to Jesus, the one who is full of God's wisdom, He makes us true witnesses. And He gives us the possibility of our words becoming seeds of peace, producing a harvest of righteousness. See how that changes the way we live? We no longer have to live by the list. We no longer have to live ranking ourselves. We can live receiving the generous blessing of God and participating in His mission of blessing others. So this week, trusting in Jesus, imagine yourself as a farmer. Attend to the power of your words. But ask yourself, not how can I compete, but what can I plant? Let's pray.